we're back in the room. Welcome, everybody. I'm joined today by Nick Brown, who is a friend of the firm, works over at Christie & Co, and head of brokerage and childcare and education over at Christie & Co, and also with my colleague Ben Powell, who heads up our childcare offering here at Ballard's LLP. We're actually on V2 of this this podcast. Nick, do you want to, <laughs> do you want to explain why we're having this same conversation again? Yeah, this is a technical problem down to me. I'm really sorry, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Many apologies, but these the things happen, don't they? These things happen. Did, yeah. yeah. The first, the first recording, I think we ended up with someone sounding like a Dalek. So, um, well, look, at, at least we should be pretty good at this because we've had this conversation yeah. uh, already. <laughs> so, um, high, high expectations. So, uh, hi Ben, thanks, thanks for joining us today. Hi Steve. Hi Nick. Thank you. Hi Ben. So, so what are we here to talk about? We're here to talk about about childcare sector, a little bit about what you guys sort of do, and then hopefully bring a bit of value to to any childcare businesses that are looking at exit, looking at acquisition, want to know what what options, what people need to be thinking about. Yep. So let's jump sort of straight into it. So Ben, Nick, do you want to give sort of thirty seconds? on just to frame what you guys do in the sector. Yeah. Do you want me to kick off, Ben? Yeah, yeah go for it, Nick. Yeah, so um, Christie Co. have been trading sort of 86 years plus, and one of the sectors that we cover is childcare and education. We're pretty entrenched into that sector, probably see ourselves as the market leaders, I'm bound to say that. Uh, <laughs> and we basically cover everything from sort of zero to 18 years, but have a sort of a specialist in the childcare market. So really that's ranging from your small single sites right the way through to your corporate acquisitions. You know, if let's say 20 grand up to, you know, 15, 60 million. So there's a complete range there. Um, and we also, we see, you know, people from that have set stuff up from scratch organically because they couldn't find childcare for their own children, uh, right the way through to the multi-site operators who might be looking to grow or also, you know, sell some settings from their portfolio. So really, right across the uh, right across the horizon, really. And Ben, where do you fit into it? Yeah, so, well, hopefully you're listening to our podcast, so you'll know we're accountants. We tend to look after a, a large number of uh, childcare providers, mostly day nurseries is, is really our speciality. I'm sort of head of corporate, so I tend to look after <coughs> the, the bigger groups. We've got some decent-sized corporates, and we've got some smaller groups in there. And then on the business services side, we also look after a number of single-handers as well. The standard accounts and tax stuff you'd expect, but also, I suppose, where we overlap with Nick is is helping businesses exit, achieve that value, or helping businesses acquire. Mm. So most of the people listening to to this will, will know perfectly well what's going on in the market as regards to sort of you know, buoyancy and um, appetite and so on. But give you 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 your guy, you guys a sort of view. What what are you seeing out there at the moment? I think I think um, we started the year very well again last year. Just to put it into context, was mm. probably our biggest year in terms of brokerage transactional work. We didn't probably think that was going to be happening when we started 2022 in January, but as the as the months passed, it soon became apparent that we're sort of coming out of COVID and the attractiveness of nurseries for sale, uh, coupled with a strong pool of active, well-funded buyers, just pushed the market on in, a, in the right direction. And the competitive tension that was created in some of the deals has resulted in some market-setting deals happening last year. Um, we've seen, we're through Q, Q1 of 2023, and that, that theme is still continuing. 
Although I should say there are some challenges in the sector that we're seeing that everybody is facing, and that's got to be linked to, you know, it's got to be linked to inflation, it's got to be linked to staffing, um, and all the bits, and just the cost price of everything has gone up. If you're not feeling that, then probably you're probably not telling the truth because we're all feeling it, and you know those. Uh, whilst they've not dampened the market, they've just sort of... Um, listen, we're in a place that we've never been before. I've been doing this job sort of 24 years. You know, for, for for owners, the market has never been at this sort of level. So it's not a huge problem, but it couldn't keep growing or transacting the way it had been because it's got to sort of peter out somewhere. But if it stays consistent to where we've been up to last year, we'd be pretty happy, to be honest. Ben? Yeah, I think, yeah, obviously everybody knows the... You know the buoyancy of last year. I think this year does pose some interesting threats with you know energy bills, national minimum wage, etc. So we haven't seen huge changes in the market yet. Sort of to echo Nick's comments there, but that there's always some thought on you know what what is on the horizon. It is there. Are we running out at some point of the buoyancy? I think you know we certainly saw in the in the veterinary market, which was yeah. something that was sort of similar going back a while. You know that that you know, multiples for sale were were huge, um, but there becomes a point where you know most of the corporates have bought most of the small businesses, and there's not a lot left. And actually, the you know competition and market authority have got some interest in what's going on there. So whether we end up in that scenario at some point and, and the market sort of peters out a little bit, I guess that's something we've got to keep an eye on. I think what we've got is um, it's still super fragmented anyway. So there's plenty of opportunity. I think what's been interesting is there could be arguments that we've created a little bit of a two-tier market where right at the top end, it's always busy anyway, because there is obviously, as we all know, there's private equity money entered the market. And some of those larger groups, it's easier for them to consolidate and buy out competitors. I think the challenge is really at the other end of the market where they've got to go through the normal routes of funding. And it is, it, it is difficult. You know, it's really interesting as a company we get seen for doing quite a lot of the larger deals but we've recently helped the ymca transact four settings were due to close and they've gone to local operators and we've managed to save that that child care in that area which is really nice to do you know so it isn't all always about the big deals as well but there's definitely pressure on the smaller settings although we could also argue that from the last statement from the government that there was some sort of rays of light should i say on forward forward thinking about you know funding that's hopefully depending who's in power um, might 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 lift again so yeah was, that's all positive news i was going to ask you about that nick what what do you think the impact because i think we've heard some people seeing it as positive and some people seeing it as negative the announcements and there's a little light on detail what what do you think on the impacts i I think we've got to take it as a positive because, uh, you know, there's some real sort of strong messages coming out the nursery sector that we need help. And there's no doubt about it. The funding levels just are too low. So I think we've got to be slightly careful that, you know, whilst we're banging that drum, anything we get that's going in the right direction has got to be a positive. And again, my slight concern is that actually whether that's going to be delivered but it's on the table at the moment. And if it wasn't on the table, we wouldn't be talking about it. So I think we've got some operators that are seeing that as, I might not sell for a bit because I can see that all this money's coming into the sector. We're slightly cautious about that, but I think others think that it's just not enough still. But it's really interesting. I've got some clients that have done three price rises in 12 months. Now, we've never used to hear that. 
Never. We used to hear that two and three percent was a price rise once a year. We're hearing two and three at sometimes well in excess of 10 percent. And, and, and it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, actually, operators find it difficult to put those price rises in, but they haven't got any choice. They just have not got any choice. But yeah, I'm optimistic. Cautiously, but optimistic about the statement. Mm. <laughs> so, even if people aren't looking at, at an exit, you know, on the you know, in the near future, what are the important things that people need to be considering? What do they need to be thinking about within the business? What do they need to be preparing? You know, perhaps from like, from an accounts point of view, or where should people's heads be at? Even if they're looking, well, we're all looking at eventual exit, but. Mm. Um, what, what, what should people be thinking about? For me, it's all about detail now. You know, we're through, um, people were taking a view on some people's accounts coming out of COVID because of this, because of that. We're back mm. through that now. So people should be working closely with like people like Ben to make sure that when, uh, if they're going to exit, that the house is in order. It's super important that if you're wanting to attract a premium price, then if you've got to make sure that you you know everything is tied up and ready there are good buyers out there and they can transact very quickly if all the information is to hand and it's all done properly there's no shortcut for that and and people that race into something and, and we always say don't you for us it's all about relationships and then that's with vendors that can be pre two years before they even sell because we're constantly just trying to get them in line with some are obviously a lot quicker but detail the devil is in the detail and you know if you're a premium setting then in, and i say you're attracting that premium price your buyers will want to see that yeah well it's, it's certainly as as nick says it, it you know something that needs some advanced thought and planning isn't it if you're thinking of exiting in two three five years now really is the time to start putting that structure in place make sure your financial systems are working correctly they're recording things correctly and that's really how you drive value and really how you can you can push up the price on that transaction that people are buying more than just you know a class full of kids people really want to be able to to demonstrate that you've got a business that operates a proven model and that you know realistic they're buying the future aren't they so they need to know that when you step away things aren't going to quickly turn into chaos when they realize it was most of the management stuff was in your head and that's a super important point, Ben, really, that, you know, when the vendors exit the business, that there's no vacuum created and buyers are looking, they're paying good money for continuity. You know, they, they're, they're wanting to add into that business. They wanted to maybe add resource, add capital. What they want to do is also make sure the most important part of this transaction is the staff because they're the people that are going to be running that setting and making sure that it continues in the same vein. And, and, and that's why we see in the market, numerous ways of trying to retain staff and keep them happy and make their work experience as good as it can be and that's a challenge for every, every vendor okay and just sort of carrying on from where people should be thinking and what they should be th- thinking about what about leasehold versus freehold how does that factor into preparation or the or the the, the sales process yeah i think it'd be fair to say we've seen a lot more leasehold sales at the top end of the market than than we've seen previously there's a fair mix to be honest steve it's what we're seeing though is that people that own freeholds 
um, they can get good money for selling their business and retaining their properties, getting a strong commercial rent, which is, is answers the question to where are you going to put your money when you sell? I mean, the, the world has changed over the last few months that interest rates have, have risen anyway. So it's becoming better to put money into savings, but you're not still going to get the return that you are probably are by keeping your real estate. So that's driven that side of the market. But we also have buyers that are super keen to, to buy into obviously assets uh, and that can be properties included in that so and, and again we also see people doing property deals where they're flipping properties out of the deal at a later stage so there's no 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 and there's no oh this is first this is second I think it all depends on who your buyer is what security they need because obviously in a leasehold transaction there's no real asset is there but we've seen a, a plethora of both really to be honest yeah it's, it's horses for courses I suppose isn't it so some people will believe they can make more money going out and buying another business than having that money tied up in an asset but other people are keen to have the security of the asset i guess the one thing that is crucial which nick touched on there is having some sort of security so that the shorter the lease the less value people are likely to put on that place obviously yeah i mean that is majorly important that you know as a rule of thumb any buyer or buying a leasehold business is going to want that security of tenure so if you're creating a lease, they're looking at a minimum of 10 years, maybe 20. That confuses one or two owners to think, well, I'd never be able to sell my property then, would I? But actually, there is a market for selling once they've got a cracking covenant strength in that setting anyway. But yeah, uh, security 10 years is a super important issue. Mm. And, you know, just, again, just delving a little bit further into where people's heads should, should be at. Ofsted rating, obviously one of the fundamental KPIs placed upon any childcare setting how does that factor into the sales process i think from our point of view obviously to have an outstanding setting is brilliant you know it takes Mm. good hard work to have an outstanding setting and keep that outstanding i think the market has come to terms with doing that is is difficult so without downgrading an outstanding setting you know the buyers in the sector as long as that setting is a good setting you know they're still it doesn't put them off buying somebody but there's no doubt about it if you can stick your chest out and say that i'm outstanding i've been outstanding three times there's a reason for that but it, it of detriment it, you know and it's in the news at the moment and also about offset isn't it about all the things that have happened recently This is the challenge about the sector, really, is that investors love it because it's well regulated. You can't just go out and do what you want to do. The downside is you are open any stage for Ofsted to pop through that door and and make a judgment on your business, which can be driven from anything from a disgruntled parent that that hasn't been paying their fees that you're trying to chase through to an actual something that has gone wrong. So that is the challenge about the regulator. But in essence, short answer buyers would look just because you're not outstanding doesn't seem you'll look to any different because there there are a multitude of reasons why you might not be outstanding. Ben we had a situation once where there was an acquirer a serial acquirer who was more keen on on a lower Ofsted. Yeah well I suppose it's the obvious you know if, if there's some turnaround work to be done it's potentially easier to drive value but it depends which side of the fence you're on doesn't it because that's that's a, yeah. a as long as, as as an acquirer you've got the time and effort and skills to turn that around then that can be quite a nice way of turning it around for not a huge sum of money whereas you know certainly as a seller that's a, a, a difficult place to be in because you're not going to drive yeah. the value as you were if you were outstanding or good. I think your challenge is as someone, uh, 
there's, there's no doubt you're potentially going to be able to pick up a nursery cheaper if it's inadequate or requires improvement potentially the people that do that that think they can do that that's no mean feat yeah there's a reason why that's happened and if it's just a technical issue fair comment but i think we've seen in the market one or two operators that have tried to scoop up should i say quite a lot of those and actually they found themselves in a situation where it's hard work. You've really got to know what you're doing and you've got to have the resource and team expertise to turn those nurses around. So anyone thinks that that's an easy, quick fix to getting into the sector and making a load of money, I would probably say you would probably need to think twice. So, you know, if if a childcare business is, is looking to work with a broker, Nick, is there any sort of considerations or... or red flags that you know that that they need to be considered yeah i think all i would say to anybody says we all know we've got competitors in the market i think you should be comfortable with speaking to a few people and getting a fair balanced view on what's going on it's like in anything in life isn't it if someone's pressurizing you or wanting a quick decision we believe that with us you know it's rare that you go and see someone and then suddenly it all happens that day. You know, a lot of people want to take some time to think about stuff, take some sound advice and just work out that actually the person you're looking at is the person you're going to go through a transaction with that's, that's going to have its challenges. So you need mm. to be happy with that person that you think is, is, is the right person to lead you in your business to try and be probably the biggest transaction you'll probably do in your life, you know, for a lot of people. Um, yeah. I think the offer of huge amounts of money for your business when we know that it's probably not worth that connected to a large upfront is probably well known in the sector. You know, the people that are wanting a large upfront from you on, on that day, you've probably been overvalued because they're trying to snare you into making a quick decision. But take your time. You know, and as I say, we, we actually recommend people take advice from two or three people because hopefully then they begin to see the differential with what service they're going to get. You know, one of our USPs I'm bound to say is, you know, the person you meet is the person that's going to take your business from A to Z. No one else is involved. And, and therefore, if what advice you've been given on day one has to stick. You know, there's no get out really. So I think an interesting one is, you know, People perhaps think business valuations is a bit of a dark art, but actually that there, there is some science to it. And so generally speaking, if you're promised huge sums of money that seem out of kilter to anybody else, it's likely that that's not going to materialise. It's not that somebody can sell it. You know, it's, it's a bit like value in a house. If somebody says they could sell your house for twice the value you're not going to believe them. And a business is quite similar. Yes, a broker on your side will argue the best possible deal. But actually, if a broker tells you they can sell it for twice the amount someone else can, it's unlikely that that's going to actually come to fruition. I think the challenge, Steve, that you get with people, and and we all fall into this category, is that if someone's pretty convincing, they walk in to see you and suddenly gives you a price that opens your eyes and makes you think, wow, (laughs) you then think, well, I should give that a go, shouldn't I? Now, I think my answer to that is, look, if you want to go down that route, go for it, but then don't link that to a monetary value you've got to pay up front because if I'm going to surprise the market and get you more for your business than everyone else is saying, then I should be pretty confident I can do it without you paying me anything, can't I, until I... until I deliver. And, and I think the other thing that Ben mentioned there is the person you're speaking to should be able to reel off to you and show you evidence of what's happened. 
and quote to you what other deals have gone for. Now, they could all be made up, couldn't they? But you find that holes start appearing in people's pitch when you start putting a little bit of pressure on to say, did you do that deal? Did you do that deal? What did that go for? And you should do that as a, as a, as a vendor. And you, again, your broker should be able to give you some complete full answers. Um, that you're comfortable with. Any final comments then, guys, tips or uh, anything else that people should be aware of, you know, prior to sale or or in, in the lead up to? I think I think my message is, look, we're still in a really, really good place. You know, we have got challenges, but, you know, investment in the sector has been really strong. We've seen some big corporate deals happen and they're not happening because they think this sector's going the wrong way. They're happening because they can see a future in in, in, in what is happening in, in the nursery and education sector. And as I said, it's still very fragmented and we've got plenty of buyers looking for quality assets. So, you know, no one should be disheartened, you know, but I think it's, it's all got to stack up is probably my last comment. You know, it's got to, it's got to stack up. But, uh, as I say, we're pretty busy at a good start to the year and we can see that continuing. Um, so, you know, I'll go back to the comment. We're quietly optimistic about 2023. Great. How can people get in contact with you, Nick? Quite easily. Um, my email address is nick.brown at christie.com. My mobile is 07764241316. I'm more than happy to field any. And listen, we're not all about selling. We're all about giving advice for, for buying as well. But exit strategies take some time to work, work out. And, um, you, you know, that's when we start the relationships really and start giving good sound advice. Yeah. Uh, Nick Brown without any, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, probably go through your whole life. So <laughs> yeah. I, I certainly go through my whole life saying Stephen with a V, not a PH. Um, ben, any, any sort of last, last comments from you? Yeah. I think we've probably touched on it that the main thing is start early. Um, advanced planning, you know, don't, don't try and think you can do this in three months, six months if you haven't put the groundworks in this is something that if you really want to deliver that value you start planning now for the future mm. and how can people get in contact with you ben ben.powell at ballardsllp.com is my email address and mobile number is 07812 i should have jumped in then steve should i said that i can get in touch with ben via me yeah <laughs> <laughs> Guys, really good to to um, to talk to you again on V on V two. Uh, let's see if we can uh, if we can get this one posted. And yeah, if anyone wants to for any more information, be, feel free to to get in contact with either Ben uh, or Nick. Uh, Nick, Ben, thanks a lot for your time. Good to see you guys, and uh, catch you on the next Th- one. Thanks very much. Yep. Thanks, Bye. Bye.